0: Hi, I'm Melinda Cusera. I'm an indie fantasy author and I'm back to read chapter 23 from my book, Cursebreaker Enchanted, to you. But first, I just want to thank our patron, Glenda Andre. Thank you so much for supporting the books and the podcast and all the things. And if you want to support the books, the characters, you can go to our Patreon. I'll put the links in the show notes. And you can get copies of the ebook, you can read the chapters as I'm writing them, and you get the podcast episodes for anybody else with no ads. And I just want to remind you that the third book in the Robin of Larkspur series is on pre-order, and that book is titled Rogue Ranger. The first book is titled Hunter's Nights, and it stars a single mother who is trying to save her daughter, and it's a wild adventure. I'm writing book four and book five right now. They are completely off the rails, and you can get them at all of the places that you buy eBooks. Amazon, Apple, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Google Play, etc, etc, etc. So go check that out. And now I'm going to read chapter twenty three from Cursebreaker Enchanted. So let's get to it. Chapter twenty-three As Sarn hurried, the skin between his shoulder blades prickled. Warnings buzzed through his head in a wordless jumble. He turned, but there was only sculpted rock and stairs vanishing around the bends in both directions. Something had tweaked his magical senses. If something were happening tonight, the commander would be hip deep in it. Sarn closed his eyes and merged with the crowds navigating the statue-choked transept. Raised voices halted him by a statue of a rearing lion. Diagonally across from Sarn stood the open doors of the middle kitchen. He should move on. His dark green cloak and cowl were conspicuous against the white and gray stonework. But the voices, their timbre sent a warning skittering up his spine. Before Sarn could move closer, a silent summons turned him away from the kitchen. It tugged Sarn southward, and he slid through the crowd like a somnambulist deeper into a dream. The north-south transept ended at a W intersection, and he hooked a left into a maze. Time dilated as he wound through the labyrinthine gloom, negotiating its hidden traps and murder holes. As Sarn staggered past the door wardens, a hand clasped his shoulder and spun him around. Where do you think you're going? Grigori shook Sarn, breaking the enchantment. Sarn blinked at a sky dyed orange by the setting sun. The queen of all trees stood halfway up down Mount Shear's east face, calling to him. He must run the intervening miles to her. What the hell is wrong with you? Grigori shook him again. Sarn glared at the burly ranger blocking his path. You left me for dead or for the Seekers to find, which was it? Sarn swallowed the question. Now wasn't the time. When he tried to brush past Grigori, the man pivoted, taking up the entire ledge. What are you looking at? Sarn demanded, hands fisted at his sides. Grigori shook his head and clapped an arm around his shoulders. It made his skin crawl as Sarn sought to evade the stronger ranger. You're all right, kid. Didn't think you'd make it, but you did. Had he just heard an admission of guilt? Sarn studied Grigory, but the man was as smug as usual. No thanks to you. Don't be such a child. Sarn rolled his eyes. Ahead, the trail wended through a narrow rock cut. To fit, the broad-shouldered ranger would have to let go of him. Why do you hate me? Grigory gaped at him for a moment. Then the big fool laughed. Ha 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 ha! I don't hate you! You don't hate me! Why did you do it? Why did you leave me out there? Grigory looked away and caved into himself. The sight unsettled Sarn so much he stumbled on the damned gravel littering the trail. You're smart, kid. I'm sure you can figure it out. Grigory shook his shoulders out and liberated himself from whatever emotion had gripped him. Had he seen some evidence of regret or guilt? Likely neither, given Grigory's temperament. The ranger's ego rooted out all such sentiments before they could take hold. Why don't you tell me? To Sarn's left, the ground dropped away from a precipice, one of his favorites due to its stunning views of the Nirtho River Valley. Because I don't have to! No answers, no apologies, not even a congratulatory you for surviving yet another pointless test. And what had Grigori tested him on? His ability to dead reckon? Or had the man hoped he'd blunder into the Seekers? Something glinted in Grigori's eye. Maybe it was the setting sun. Maybe it was a spark of amusement or a warning to tread carefully. Sarn pulled free of the man's grasp and slipped past him when the trail widened. He left Grigori standing there as incomprehensible as always. But Grigori refused to stay behind. The damned man caught up with Sarn and spun him around again. I asked you a question, kid, and you haven't answered it. Where are you going? To answer the queen of all trees summons, but she disappeared into the deepening twilight. Night's purple veils blanketed the enchanted forest hiding it and her. Mire eridor. The phrase whispered on the wind, fouling the air with the stench of death. Each syllable was a warning, and they struck deep chords. This isn't a trick question. I'll give you a hint. Nowhere except to Jurlo's office. The commander's looking for you. Why is he looking for me? Anger tightened Sarn's hands into fists, but the forty-something bruiser stood there, waiting, his eyes taunting him, but Sarn shook his fists out instead. Why do you think? Are you okay, kid? You look a little green. I mean, aside from your funny eyes. Like Grigory cared what happened to him, Sarn spun on his heel and stalked off towards Gerlo's office, but the ranger stopped him a third time. Aren't you forgetting something? Grigory nodded to the rock wall next to a strip of runes outlining the mountain's doors. They glowed in the dark, extending a shining invitation to all. Steal back the two solid Lumiere crystals that stood at least forty feet tall and half as wide. They were another ornate mystery, unconnected to the others Sarn needed to solve. Come on, kid. Let's not make an issue out of this. Stand up against the wall, feet shoulder-width apart, hands on the stonework. You know the drill. But I... Sarn gestured to the two rangers, dwarfed by the doors they guarded. Neither spoke up on his behalf. And why would they? He was a freak and a thorn in all their sides. No buts. Assume the position. I must search you before you enter. You know the rules. Grigory pointed to the wall. Indeed he did, and when to break those rules. Sarn ran partway up the wall, tucked and tumbled over Grigori's head. Landing in a crouch, he sprang to his feet and sidestepped the warden who rushed him. His buddy threw out an arm, but Sarn dropped into a slide and bypassed the obstruction. Gravel abraded his pants, tearing them, but Sarn ignored the sensation as he rose and raced into the maze. Grigory shouted something, but the labyrinth swallowed the echoes of his words. Sarn pelted around another bend and jumped over a pit lined with sharpened staves. A sense of urgency nudged him to run faster. Grigory smiled as he replayed the kid's latest stunt. The incident proved his point. If you pushed the kid, magic happened. Screw Gerlo's edicts. Someone had to test the kid and find out what he could do. Grigory squeezed the file in his hands. Branches and other bits of foliage caught on his trousers. People took the novelty of plants growing under Lumiere Crystal Light a little too far. Next time, he'd bring a machete. After a few minutes of batting branches aside, he stepped up to a plain wood affair. Inside, he heard raised voices and judged the occupants, a Mr. and Mrs. Ferdania, were at home. Grigory listened between knocks for footfalls. As he raised his fist to deliver another rap, the door opened and an angry youth glared at him. Six foot two, dark hair and eyes... Grigori checked off the details as his gaze skimmed what he could see of the youth. Square-jawed, clean-shaven, and smelling of soap, this kid was ready to hit the taverns, and he was closing in on 21, same as the other missing kids, except this one wasn't missing. "'What do you want?' Mr. Attitude asked. "'You're for Dania. "'Are you a tax collector or a census taker?' Mr. Attitude folded his arms and narrowed his intense eyes, but a two-inch height difference in Grigory's favor ruined the effect.' Neither. I'm a concerned citizen. Yeah, well, I didn't do whatever you think I did. You're a Scorpio, right? Grigory's question knocked the attitude out of the kid. Surprise blanked Purfoy's face. How did you guess? A smile tugged at Grigori's lips. You remind me of someone. A six-foot-six nightly annoyance known as Sarn. Of course, the Scorpio thing only went so far in explaining the kid's attitude problem. Frustration had the situation, and the abuse he'd suffered accounted for the rest. Still, that was no excuse. With some quality time, Grigori could eradicate the brat's attitude. Wasn't Nolo due some time off for good behavior? Well, he should take some of Nolo's shifts and spend some quality time with the kid while he kept the psycho from finding him. Would you fetch the lady of the house so I can my business here? Better yourself. Perfoy donned his attitude again and stepped outside. Maybe it was his shield, and under the gruff exterior, a gentle heart dwelt. It did in Saren's case. Mr. Attitude slammed the door behind him and went for a shoulder check, but Grigori sidestepped the punk and he stormed off in a swirl of well-worn brown fabric. Grigori raised his fist to try again, but the door cracked open and a woman appeared in the gap. She blinked at him from a feminized version of Purfoy's face. Age, worry, or raising Mr. Attitude had creased the skin around her eyes. I'm sorry for bothering you, but this will only take a few minutes of your time. She stepped into the corridor "'and closed the door behind her. "'Despite the late hour, she wore a plain homespun dress "'and a stained apron. "'Some globules dotting it looked fresh. "'Am I interrupting something?' "'She shook her head, and he noticed the rag "'draped over one shoulder. "'No, I was just cleaning up. "'What did you want to talk about?' "'Your son. You reported him missing five days ago.' "'Her face fell, and she rubbed her hands together.' "'Yes, he came back last night, and I had intended to go to the guard captain to explain, but it's been a trying time, and I've had my hands full just keeping the peace. He and my husband don't see eye to eye, but no harm done. He's back safe and sound.' "'Did he say where he went?' "'He went to Racine to look for work, but he didn't tell us in case it didn't pan out. You know how it is. Jobs are hard to find for regular folk, and he was so angry. The accountancy hired the bastard son of a minor noble who had no experience.' Mm, nepotism's hard on the younger set, but that's the way of things here. Yes, the title class has every advantage, Mrs. Verdania folded thin arms over her chest. Those without, trumble through life, doing the jobs rejected by the title class. It isn't fair. Mm, and education only factors so far into the equation. Grigori shifted his weight from foot to foot, seeking a way out of the conversation. He hadn't come here to discuss Chiari's employment problems, but he'd given her an opening. "'Exactly. Without a title, breaking into the professional class is impossible without a sponsor.' And Mr. Attitude had none. "'Poor dear. But that wasn't Grigory's problem. "'I'll pass the word along that your son has turned up, but you should stop in to make it official. "'Have a good night, and thank you for speaking to me.' Grigory had cut across her latest rant, bemoaning Chiari's economic system, and he made no apology for it either. All his life he'd heard variations of the same diatribe, but not one word of complaint had ever changed anything.' It was better to aim for jobs the nobles avoided. Tell your son there are no lines, no waiting for positions within the guards or the rangers. Grigory said because he couldn't help himself. Mrs. Verdania's words tumbled to a stop and she nodded having just caught the dismissal in his voice. I will, thank you. She wouldn't, but she was too polite to say so. Grigory wished her good night once more and left. He walked away wondering just what was going on. Killers and kidnappers didn't change their patterns. There was a... 27th victim out there, either already taken or in the kidnapper's sights, and he would let Sarn run off alone into a bloody maze. Cursing, Grigori crashed through the branches in his path as he passed a shadow on the stairs. Anger fueled his run. The rangers were hiding something from him about the murders. As Sarn took the hairpin turns at breakneck speed, his outrage coalesced into a boy's face, a dead child whose dull green eyes hadn't taken up their glow and never would. The ghost reached out to Sarn from beyond a dark veil until he blinked the image away. Sarn opened Jurlo's door without knocking and dropped into a chair facing his diminutive master. Minutes crawled by, but Grigori didn't arrive. The ranger must have found someone else to bother. Something on your mind, kid? Jurlo finally asked. Yeah, those people who died. Jurlo sat with his hands tented in front of him. His dark eyes focused intently on Sarn. Good. He had the commander's full attention. Now to pry out whatever the man was hiding. Not your concern, Gerlo said. Bullshit. Watch your language. You won't get another warning. Do you hear me? Sarn nodded, but he fixed his gaze on the blue dragon alighting on a tapestry behind Gerlo. What's bothering you? Don't tell me a bunch of strangers losing their lives has got you so worked up because I don't believe it. There was a boy who died and he was like me. Like you how? Explain. In answer, Sarn pointed to his glowing eyes. I want to know why he died and why I had to see it. Don't tell me there isn't a reason because I don't believe it. Sarn pushed up from the chair. He needed to do something, but the feeling faded as his words reverberated in his skull. Shocked stopped Sarn mid-step. Why I had to see it. Who had wanted him to find those dead bodies? Judging by Jurlo's disapproving glare, not the rangers, why would a bunch of enchanted trees want him to witness the homicides, one of which they had committed? How had the forest even known the rangers would bring him along? Easy, lad. Calm down. I see where you're coming from. No, you don't. How could the commander understand? His green-eyed boy gave him a perspective no one else shared. Sarn fought down the urge to throw the chair he'd vacated at the nearest wall in frustration, his magic flooded the room with emerald radiance until cold water slapped Sarn in the face, snuffing out the fire in his eyes. His magic reared back and Sarn had to take an involuntary step to the side to keep from falling. He rubbed his eyes as the water dried and a familiar green glow ringed his sight again. An empty glass clattered as Jurlo set it down on his desk. Sit down and talk to me. Anger never solves anything. It only makes things worse. Nolo says something similar and both men were right. Sarn wouldn't get any answers if he didn't calm down. I'm glad you listened to what I say. Nolo replied as the door swung in to admit him. His gaze took in the scene with a glance and a nod. What had Det's Marksman seen? A screwed up kid Lord Joran's retinue had pulled feverish and frozen out of a snowbank seven years ago? No, he hadn't met Nolo until later, when he tried to escape Hadraval. Thoughts of that psycho made Sarn's blood run cold and his bladder unclenched. Thank fate he "'pissed it empty before rushing in here. Starn still felt the net "'tangling around his feet as it caught him, "'and Myron's frightened questions "'still echoed in his ears. Sarn blinked away the memory "'and put his back to the nearest wall, "'keeping both his masters in view. "'He was just as caught now, "'ensnared by that fate-damn promise "'to do whatever they ordered, "'even if they commanded him to drop this. Thirteen faceless corpses appeared, "'hands grasping for him, "'their unnaturalness socked Sarn in the gut.' "'crushing him against the wall. "'Eam! "'Mire! Eritor "'whispered that damn voice again. "'The specters advanced as Sarn stumbled "'toward the sole exit to Jirlo's inner office. "'He shoved the door open "'as the ghost faded into the marble dragons "'of Jirlo's menagerie. "'Sarn leaned into the doorframe, "'at a loss for what to do next. "'The ghost boy lingered, "'its translucent hands outstretched, "'then it too vanished. "'What the hell is wrong with you?' "'Nolo glared at Sarn.' Too shocked to speak, Sarn shook his head. The thirteen ghosts didn't rattle anyone else, meaning only he could see them. The kid claims there was a boy like him, you know, when we had that disturbance the other day. Jirlo slouched in his chair and glared at a dragon-shaped inkwell squatting between two towers of paperwork. The sight must have unhinged him. Nolo nodded. And you want answers. And I don't have any since the forest destroyed all the evidence. You must have a theory. Anything would be better than what Sarn had now, which was nothing. "'Truthfully, I haven't given it much thought. "'One group killed the other, then the forest killed then. "'It's an open and shut case. "'I don't know why you're obsessing over it. "'You should think about the forest's strange behavior toward you. "'That worries me far more than those deaths, "'and that should worry you too.' "'Nolo softened his glare. "'What was that? "'Some half-assed attempt at deflection? "'Everything reacted to him. "'It was part of his everyday existence and not worth discussing. "'It's not open and shut. "'If it were, the forest wouldn't have freaked out.' The entire thing is wrong, unnatural even. Sarn ran out of space and words. All he had were a bunch of ghostly appearances and bizarre occurrences, but nothing concrete to back up his gut feeling the murders were part of a larger problem. I saw a shadow monster, Ren had said only hours before. Sarn still didn't believe it. How many died? I didn't have time to count. The forest tossed the remains into a deep hole, remember? Nolo folded his arms over his chest. His dark eyes bored into Sarn again. There were 13, counting the boy, Sarn supplied. Don't ask me how I know. The number bothered him. It was one digit off from 12, the original members of the Guardians. 13 was a number of their nemesis, but both groups were dead and dusted long ago. And neither of his masters cared. Sarn read the ambivalence in their eyes and fled to escape it. After he slipped into Jurlo's outer office, Sarn stalked into a short hallway, turned a quarter, and ended up back in the north-south transept with even more questions than before. Where are you going? Nolo yelled from behind him. To find answers, but where should he search? Sarn stopped. Anger had made him forget he was indentured. He had no rights, not even to the answers he so badly needed. Nolo stayed where he was. Why did you walk out? Do you know how much trouble you're in? People died out there. Don't you want to find out why? Sarn faced Nolo to see the man's reaction. And they'll die out there tonight and tomorrow, too. The Enchanted Forest is dangerous. You can't trust it or turn your back on it. Next, you'll say there's nothing we can do about it, but you're wrong. You can't save him. He's already dead. Nolo's words hurt. A gray shape separated from the statue, throwing it, and slouched forward. Sarn met the blank eyes of the dead boy, who extended a hand in mute entreaty. Pale lips shaped a silent plea Help me. How do I help you? Sarn just managed to cage the question before it could escape. He squeezed his eyes closed, banishing the ghost from his sight, but not his senses. Bile crawled up the back of his throat the longer the ghost lingered. Nolo's hands grasped his upper arms and shook him. Sarn, did you hear what I said? Nolo shook him again and received a headshake in response. I said you have to let go. He's dead, but you're not. You weren't there when it happened. You didn't even know him. Let it go. If only the ghost would let him go. Instead, it sunk him deeper into something he didn't understand. Sarn slipped out of Nolo's grasp and walked a few paces away. We prevent the tragedies we can and mourn the ones we can't. Obsessing over what happened will drive you crazy, but it won't bring them back. Nothing you do will bring them back. Let them go. Nolo held both hands out to Sarn in entreaty. Or was it an offering? But of what? An absolution? Sarn turned away his gaze falling on a frieze depicting one of his heroes, a guardian of Shaari. What would a guardian do? Did you check the book? Sarn asked without turning. What book? Oh, the log? No, why would I? Neither group crossed the border. They either stayed here or were on their way here. If it was the former, they might have written something in the book, and you want me to check it? Yes, we can go right now. We're supposed to be out there. Sarn pivoted, but there was no window, only sculpted stone. Out there where the fallout of one boy's death had infected plants and turned them against their enchantments. Wizards, blizzards, and bloody damn gizzards. How could he have forgotten about his run through that gauntlet of warring trees? Sarn had been outside less than an hour ago, and he hadn't spared the forest a single glance. Damn Gregory for interfering. Not we. The commander and I agree. You should stay away from the forest for a while. What? Why? Sarn stared at Nolo, but Nolo regarded him as if he'd lost his mind. The forest kidnapped you, remember? Until we know why you're not going anywhere near it. We discussed that. It wanted me to find those bodies. But there was no point in arguing. Nolo folded his arms over his chest and shook his head at every word he uttered. Sarn's shoulders slumped. Logic would do no good here. Neither would staying inside. But he was indentured and had to do as he was told. Will you check the entries from the day before and the day we found both the bodies and tell me what it says? Maybe there was a clue in the log to the identity or the motivations of those specters Sarn had just seen. Interest kindled in Nolo's eyes. All right, if you have to know, I'll check, but only on one condition. Nolo held up a finger to make his point, and his sleeve fell back, exposing a green glow. An indistinct murmur startled Sarn. Those damn stones on Nolo's bracelet were talking again. The central bead emitted a bright flash, leaving an afterimage behind, a star bounded by a circle. Eem, Meyer my Arator said an echoing voice as the stone's muttering died away. Am I losing my mind? Sarn scrubbed away the image, banishing what was either a clue or a red herring. No matter what I find, whether it's something or nothing, will you abide by my decision? A dark eyebrow winged up midnight against his master's dark skin. Well, I don't have all night. If you want me to look at the log, then you must agree to drop this thing if I tell you to. Do we have an accord? Nola waited for a response. Sarn nodded. I'll drop it if you say so. His magic lay quiet, held down by his will where nothing he said could activate it. Sarn wouldn't let any promises bind him or impede his search for the truth. Good, now put these on. Nolo tossed two items at Sarn, gloves and a blindfold. Sarn donned both articles before his magic could protest. Instead, it oozed out of his skin and crawled around under his clothes, seeking contact with the outside world. Cloth barred his magic, and Sarn was glad it did until his magic concentrated on his remaining senses. It wreaked havoc on his inner ear and threw off his balance, staggering Sarn. This way. Nolo turned Sarn to the left and took his arms to lead him. Where are we going? Sarn asked. Toward answers or deeper into the conspiracy his superiors were weaving? And that, my friends, is the end of chapter 23. So we had a interesting conversation in Jurlo's office. We saw Nolo again. And we'll see if they're part of the conspiracy, if they're not part of it, and who actually is, and what the conspiracy actually is. Sarn asked some really good questions, and he's going to start getting answers soon. It's hard for Sarn to find answers because you see his time is not his own. He is indentured. And so he has to show up to work at 20th Bell every day, unless they tell him he doesn't have to, and he doesn't have a choice in that. And as you see, he has to do what they tell him. So while he is working for them, he can't really do too much in terms of the mystery. And when he's not working them, he has to sleep and he has to, as you saw, he has to try and get something to eat, try to entertain his son. And in those hours, is when he can pursue this mystery. I made mean, this book a bit challenging to write, but it was also an interesting problem because we could show a slice of life. And, and then in the sequels, I could not show you as much of his life because you'd seen a lot of it in Baker Enchanted. So in Baker Faceted and Cursebreaker Falls, we could just see him doing more, like looking at the magical mysteries and doing stuff with that. And because you've already saw an Enchanted, like how restricted his life is and how he has to go to work every night. So we don't have to show as much of that unless it pertains to the actual story. And sometimes it does. A lot of the magical problems are outside or have to do with the Enchanted Forest. So he can get involved in those while he's at work because he is outside dealing with the Enchanted Forest during work. If you want to support this podcast, just a quick reminder that you can hop on to our Patreon. I'll put the links in the show notes. And you can get a thank you at the beginning of every episode, and also copies of the ebook. And you can read chapters as I write them. Right now, I am working on book ten for the Cursebreaker series, and also simultaneously book four for the Robin of Larkspur series, which is a prequel. The first five or six books are a prequel to the Cursebreaker series and take place three to four years before Enchanted. And another quick reminder: the third book in the Robin of Larkspur series, Rogue Ranger, is. I'm pre-order right now it comes out on march 10th as an ebook a paperback and a digitally narrated audiobook and you can find it on all of the retailers amazon apple kobo barnes and noble google play etc and that's pretty much a wrap for this week i love doing this and i hope to keep doing this for a long time to come so thank you for listening and i hope you come back next week again i am melinda kucera i'm an indie fantasy author And I hope that you are doing something that you love today.